There's a story told about a mother who was sick in bed. She was sick in the bed with flu. Her little daughter wanted so badly to be a good nurse to her. She fluffed the pillows, brought a magazine for her mother to read. Then she even surprised her mother with a cup of tea. You're such a sweetie, the mother said as she drank the tea. I didn't even know you knew how to make tea. Oh, yes, the little girl replied. I learned by watching you. I put the tea leaves in the pot. Then I put in the water and I boiled it. And then I strained it into the cup. But mom, I couldn't find a strainer, so I used the fly swatter instead. <laughs> you what? The mother screamed. And the little girl said, oh, don't worry, Mama. I didn't use the new fly swatter. I used the old one. <laughs> now, I felt a little hesitant about telling you that story. But when kids try so hard to do something and yet get it wrong in spite of themselves, what is a parent to do? You've got to love them for at least trying, don't you? Some years ago, President Kennedy spoke at an awards banquet. It was dealing with the National Football Foundation. And in his speech, he said, it looks as if our great nation, our great national sport is no longer playing, but more of watching. We are becoming less and less a nation of athletes and more and more, more a nation of spectators. I'm sure what President Kennedy was concerned about for a nation, many of us are concerned about our church today. I know that it is easy to sit in the crowd and criticize. And we've talked about that. Many people sit on the sidelines. They watch. They aren't participants, but yet they have a lot to say, don't they? As if they were at practice every day, as if they knew exactly everything inside and out about the sport. One of the things you could do, if you don't believe me, and if you have Facebook, just go on a community page and watch all the comments that an individual have. I tell my wife, Sister Nina um, puts little questions on daily and it makes you think and so on. I and various other people do that. And I told my wife, I get more enjoyment out of not the answer, but what people respond as the answer. That's more entertainment to me. And sometimes you have to think, are they really serious when they say that? But today, we are looking at, sadly enough, a nation of spectators and a lot of individual comments versus participants. There's an interesting passage in the book of Amos, which is our text this morning where God is speaking to the Jewish nation. It's going to be found in Amos chapter 5. God is speaking to a Jewish nation. He's speaking to his people, and he's not speaking very kindly about them. The title of this morning's lesson is, Am I One of These? I'm going to talk about different types of people. And I'd like you to ponder the question, as we go through various classifications of people, am I one or more of these? 
We know that God had done so much for these people in Amos. He had freed them from slavery in Egypt. He had delivered the promised land into their hands. He had blessed King David and King Solomon. And he had made their reigns the golden age of Jewish history. But now all of that was past. And in Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 23, God said to them, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. You'd have to ask, what had happened? Why was God so angry with them? The next verse, verse 24, I think makes it pretty plain. In verse 24, God says, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Evidently, the people in Amos' day were faithful in going through all the rituals. They had attended the services. They kept the holy feast. They gave generously of burnt offerings and of grain offerings. They sang their songs of praise to God. They played their harps, but God rejected their worship. And you'd ask, why? Because their lies didn't measure up to what they professed to be. They gave lip service to God, but there was no justice or righteousness in their lives. They didn't even try to live the way God wanted them to live. And that was true in Jesus' day also, wasn't it? For we hear Jesus saying in Matthew 23 and 23, Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and of anise and of cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, which is justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. They went through all the right forms. They attended the services. It seems like they were very careful to give every bit of their tithes and offerings. But Jesus still cried out to them, woe to you. My concern this morning is about the possibility that Jesus could say the same thing today. Is there any way in which we might find ourselves in the same condition as the people in Amos's day or of the people in Jesus's day. And sadly, I think I'm afraid so. I am looking at my own personal life. It appears that there are at least three different types of people of attitudes that are present today. That's what I'd like to look at today. And again, ask the question, are we one of these? The first of these that I like to look at are the performers. People who are putting on an act, 
who lies don't match up with what they are trying to get people to believe about them. We use the word, it's all a facade. Sometimes these people are in the positions of leadership and prominence. They're in the limelight. They're busy. They're active. All the people around them can see what they are doing. A while back, a major TV channel featured a story about a preacher accused of trying to kill his wife so that he can marry the woman with whom he was having an affair. They spent almost an hour going over the whole sword story. And news stories in the past years have been on TV exposing the private lives of some religious celebrities and have made everyone sadly aware of what these people have done. They were just merely performing in their lives. Their lives did not seem even to come close to matching up with what they had professed to be. It's bad enough that they made shipwreck of their own lives, but they also brought disillusionment and dismay into many of those lives that trusted and followed them. Meanwhile, many in the world sadly clap their hands, those of the worldly sense, convinced more than ever that there is no reason to listen to the message of Jesus. Look at these individuals, these hypocrites. How many times do they use that in as excuse? Well, I would attend services, but that's just a bunch of hypocrites. They don't practice what they preach. Why does this happen? How does it happen? Were they performers from the beginning? Have they always been putting on an act? Well, I doubt it. Do you remember the parable of the sower? And we mentioned that in our Bible study this morning. Jesus tells that the sower went forth to sow. And as he cast the seed, some fell on the hard-packed path, some among the rocks, and some among the thorns. And some fell on the good ground. In Mark 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus explains about the seed that fell among the thorns. And what does Jesus say? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise in coming. The weightier matters, the choke out. We know that when we look at Mark, these, these things that you think are so important, the wealths, this, this money, this value, personal influence, I guess you would say fame, the seed falls, starts to grow, but is, we know it is choked out. We start to believe it starts to grow. We think about Christians. Sadly, well, not sadly that I've attended here since 61. Let me start off by saying I've been here since I've been about five years old. We were talking about that in our business meeting last week. The congregation here around started around 1961. I'm 66 years old now. And I've been, you know, attending here since. I know I've seen a lot of things going on. There are a lot of people that used to attend here, but no longer do. That are still alive. I mean, there are obviously many of our members have passed on. But there are people that still possibly live in the community that 
at one time started to come and started, but then something has happened and it has caused them to fall away. We look at that is what Jesus was speaking here. There are some that start to grow, but then whether it be temptations, worldly things, experiences, family, whatever around them, and they start to fall away. Jesus explains about that seed as he says that in verses 18 and 19. Is that what's happened to these celebrities? Has it happened to us? Do I have that first love? And we talk about the churches in the book of Revelation. And as a constant question I ask myself. I started, I was 18 years old. Around that time, between 16 and 18, I don't even remember exactly when I was baptized. Somewhere as a, uh, a late teen, you know, 16, 17, 18, I was baptized by Billy McDonald. McDonald. And I, I think about, um, do I have that same love? Over the years, do we have that same love that we had, that interest that when we first took those steps to be a Christian? Or as the pressures of life, the temptations and so on, or life itself got in the way. You ask yourself those questions. Did they see all the riches of the world that they can get and they begin to covet different things? Did they begin to see their ministry as an empire to control and to manipulate? People have that in their own lives. People of influence. We know the Apostle John warned about a man named Deophries. I, I say these names incorrectly. I mean, I know that. Sorry. You know who I'm talking about. And we can find him in the third epistle of John, verse 9. I wrote to the church, but Deophries, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. But performers are not found only among religious celebrities. It is possible that some people in our pews today, myself, I have to make sure I'm not just a performer. Just looking at the limelight and just putting on an act, a facade. We can participate in every part of the service. We can sing. We can pray. We can partake of communion. But if there's no noticeable change that is good in our lives, the world will see the way we live and come to the conclusion that we're just putting on an act, that we are a hypocrite. What does Matthew 7 and 21 say? Not everyone who says unto me will be part of that kingdom of heaven. We know that Starting in verse 19 of Matthew 7, Jesus says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, Therefore by your fruits you will know them. In verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. It's not a performance. It's actually Doing. The father and mother who are merely performing soon delusion their children. They, they delusion their children, their relatives, and many precious souls are lost for an eternity. We thank God, though, that this is a two way street. 
Those that can start out eager in dedication ended up as a performer, but we also have those who maybe started off performing, but that can switch and realize the importance of being true to God. Some songs we sing affect me greatly. Two of my favorites. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art. Those are, that's found in the very front part of the book. I want to proclaim he is my Lord. He is God. He is my creator. My favorite song. It is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. It is well. It is well with my soul. I love that song. Maybe someday it'll be a sermon teacher, one of us. But verses in God's word you can read and discuss in Bible study. We can see the lives of others being changed. Maybe we'll catch the vision again. Maybe we'll repent of our sins, no longer performing, but now rededicating ourselves back to God. Another group are found in our congregation are called the spectators. So we have those that are in front performing. We have spectators. They are present, but they're not really participating. Some of these could be called attenders. They may be present for any number of reasons. Maybe they're here because of social contacts with their friends. Their friends come, so they come too. Their family goes to church, so they go also. Maybe the attenders are present because they feel it is expected of them to be in church. After all, it's the right thing to do. And don't get me wrong, it is the right thing to do. But what is our purpose? Whatever the reason, the attendees are usually interested, or sorry, uninterested in what is going on and unconcerned about why they are here. So the attender gets involved in various diversions. They get distracted during the service, and they are not really focused, centered on God, worship, and the remembrance of Jesus, not singing truly from the heart. A minister tells of one of the saddest moments in his life. He said it happened one Sunday where there were six teenagers, Five of them were church members and one was not. One was just a, fit, uh, a friend of one of these teenagers that were Christians. And he said that the, they had come and sat together and the, uh, they went through various weeks of sitting there. And he could see that the non-Christian teenager seemed like he started to grow interest. And he noticed that one Sunday morning that following the sermon as the invitation song was sang, this individual was at the end of the pew. And it appeared that he started to move just a little bit and start to lean forward like he was going to start to step up the aisle. At that time, though, two of the other teenagers were whispering amongst each other and started laughing. 
And it appeared it broke the concentration of that one that was going to come forward. And he stopped and he stepped back and he kind of leaned over of what they might have said and never came forward. Then he stopped attending. That was one of the last times he was there. For about a three-year time period, the friend that was a Christian continued to try to talk to him. But you think about the time that was wasted, that minister said. What if something would have happened? Fortunately, after that about three years, that individual did go forward and was baptized. But he said, that is an example of how easily people can be distracted. So we ask, are we just spectators? We think about what Mark 4 and 15 says. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear, Satan comes and takes away that word that was sown in them. So we look at, are we spectators? We figure there are searchers in our lives. They're unfamiliar with the church service and self-conscious about it. They may not know anything about the people. They may feel that people are looking and wondering about them. But they are searchers. They are usually very sensitive about what is going on around them. And depending upon where they are sitting, they may be unlucky enough to sit near an attender that is engaged in their own diversions. And the searcher is wondering where on earth his search has led him. But we can read in Hebrews 13 and 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers. Do not forget to help, to guide, and entertain strangers, for by doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. We know that these searchers, we have an opportunity to take someone that is searching and lead them unto God. If we personally are a searcher here for us today, please realize that each and every one of us is a sinner. You do not have to feel that you are in only a class and everyone else is totally sin-free. We are all sinners and we all fall short of what we ought to be. We know that Paul has stated that. But thanks to Jesus who can have the forgiveness or can, can give us the forgiveness of our sins. The psalmist in Psalms 40 and 2 says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the merry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. God loves each and every one of us. This morning, we have mentioned performers. We have mentioned spectators. We have mentioned searchers. There are those that are searching. And may we encourage one another. And I believe that's our purpose of why God says, assemble yourselves together on that first day of the week. That we can encourage one another that we can encourage the searchers that are trying to find, besides encouraging one another. But one other group, this morning we have mentioned those, but there's one more very important group to consider, and it's the worshipers. Jesus told the woman at the well, 
in John 4 and 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So I ask the question, why are we here today? I trust that we're here to worship and show our love to God, to show our love to his son Jesus, to be a living witness to others of what Jesus means to each and every one of us, and to encourage others by our presence to share what God has given each and every one of us, that he is giving us the challenge to refuel, to fill up, to arm, you would say, the batteries of our life. Maybe we're here too, like the old man who said, I go to church to let everybody know which side I'm on. But may I suggest some ways to make the church service really a time of worship for each and every one of us. We can worship by putting our smile on our face and in our heart as we make the stranger welcome. We can worship by putting the activities and cares of the day out of our mind by focusing our thoughts on Jesus, especially as we partake communion with him. We can make a difference by singing songs of praise directly to God. No matter what our voice is, and I know some days my voice has sounded horrendous, but may we always sing from that heart directly to God. We know that God has a filter. God does not hear noise. God hears the pureness of our heart in song of worship directly to him. When I think about that, for those that hate to sing, I don't know what we're going to do in heaven. Because when you read what it says in Revelation, we stand And what did John see? Those around about the throne of God singing songs of praises unto him. I'm thinking, if I don't like to sing, ah, I don't know what my role is going to be in heaven. Because that is what we're looking for too. Today and every day from here forward on earth, we are practicing for our role in heaven of singing praises to God, to the Lamb, that was slain. We can worship by listening to the words that are preached. Despite the limitations of the preacher, we can listen knowing that there is power in God's word to change our lives, to point us in the right direction, and to make us effective whatever we seek to do for God and for his son. We can worship by silently praying for the lost, for those who have decisions to make for Jesus to turn our lives back to him. Whatever our need is, may we pray for those that are lost. May we pray for ourselves. And may we make sure that if we see ourselves in one of these characters, I pray that it is the worshiper and that we could encourage others. Whatever our need is, you have the opportunity to come forward as together we stand and sing that song of invitation.